Well, hello there and welcome. It is Take Two with Jerry and Debbie. We're both here today. I'm Jerry Usher along with Debbie Giorgiani and you and the show team. And we are ready for what I know is going to be a lively conversation because we're going to be talking, Debbie, today about something that really we're all called by God to do. And most of us actually go through this process, and that is discerning a vocation. Oh, this is going to be a very powerful and active show. So discerning a vocation, that's the topic today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie. And we want you to weigh in on um, what you went through to discern a a plan and a path forward for your life, serving God, Um, vocation uh, to marriage, vocation to the priesthood, diaconate, a vocation in a ministry that you feel called by God. Um, Vocations come in in all shapes, forms, (laughs) and ways. And some say you're called to a vocation. Some say you discern a a vocation. Some say you um, kind of put your toe in the water and a vocation kind of, you know, evolves. We want to hear from the Take Two family. Here is the number, 833-288-3986. Well, Debbie set it up perfectly. So in a nutshell, how did you pray your way to where you are right now? Do you feel like you're doing what God called you to do? That is in your primary vocation. It could be, as Debbie said, marriage. For most people, it is marriage. Uh, if you happen to be a, an ordained priest or a deacon or a consecrated religious brother or sister, we would love, love, love to hear from you right now to hear the uh, cliff note version of how you discern your vocation. And as Debbie said, maybe a, a vocation within a vocation. Maybe you've had the, the big picture vocation vocation settled, like marriage or religious life or what have you, but God has also called you to some sort of ministry, maybe helping out in your parish, um, teaching religious education, um, serving the poor. So how did you discern the things that God has been leading you to in your life? This is what we want to hear about today. Phone lines available right now is the best time to call 833-288-EWTN, 833-288-3986. And, and let us not forget, uh, Jerry, about single life as well. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of committed singles that want to really just focus on God, and they don't want any distractions. They want to live that contemplative life or go into something of, of serving God in the church or in an apostolate or something of that nature. And uh, so we want, it, like I said, it, it, you know, vocations come in all shapes, sizes, and every which way. And the reason why I know that is I was a liturgy, I mean, not liturgy, I was a liturgy coordinator, but I was a volunteer ministry coordinator for many years that I loved where we would place folks in a ministry. And it was really interesting how many, how many people discerned a vocation to, to something of serving God and to live out their life at an early age. And Jerry, I, I've said this before, um, when I did my uh, master's thesis in theology, uh, my, my paper was on adolescent spirituality and how vocations come out of the adolescent age. Um, not all the time, but a lot of times the, the Lord taps that particular age group to start, you know, letting it uh, germinate, right? And so it's very interesting. I don't know if you, you knew that, but it, 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 did, it did produce, I got an A on the paper, and actually they wanted to publish it because I did case studies, and, and they were pretty fascinated by the fact that there were so many uh, initial vocational calls out of adolescent age. Yeah, I have heard things like along those lines before. I'm sure it was a wonderful, wonderful thesis there. And we are asking you, the Take-Two family today, 
For example, you know, did you, uh, Debbie often shared on this show how she was very specific with God and what she was asking God for in a husband, and God brought Marty along. So Mm -hmm. were you discerning and praying? Did you have kind of some specifics that you laid out to God that you were hoping for and praying for? Did you discern? Maybe you were in in one of those situations where you uh, found yourself discerning between a couple different vocations, you know, maybe priesthood versus marriage or marriage uh, versus, you know, single life. A lot of people go through that type of discernment as well. And we say it all the time on this show, what you share is going to help other people who are listening right now who may be in that phase or going about to enter into that phase of life of serious discernment about what God is calling them to do. So how did you discern where you are today in your primary vocation and maybe some secondary vocations? 833-288-3986. Matt Gabensky on the phones, already screening lines, but a couple still remain available if you'd like to get on one of those open lines. Ace McKay is our producer and Jeff Burson is on social media for those of you watching on Facebook and YouTube, the video stream. Hi there. So we have the team in place. Now we just need to hear from you, discerning a vocation. Maybe you could share some of the spiritual direction you received as you were properly uh, praying about a vocation uh, for your life. That's important. We need to know that. So the number to dial, again, is 833-288-3986. And I just want to share this, Jerry, because I have an aunt who's a Dominican sister. She's still going strong in her mid-90s. My mom's older sister. My mom's older brother was a priest. He's he's now um, gone to meet the Lord. And, and so, of course, religious life like that came into play in our family. And so I briefly thought about being a sister uh, that when I was very young. As a matter of fact, I used to dress up in my aunt's um, habit and stuff. It was really kind of cute. I thought it was. Anyway, um, but then I, then I, I discerned out of it because I really knew for me it was, it was marriage and family if God, if God wanted me to. I really wanted to have more kids. I only had two. I'm very grateful. I would have had six or seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, lo- yeah, I really wanted a big family. Well, and who says that discernment is over at a certain point in your life? I think I'm exhibit A on that, you know, after uh, six years in formation for the priesthood in the 1990s, 28 years out, and now back as a seminarian in the Diocese of Orlando, Florida, doing a pastoral year. So maybe you find yourself, um, you know, kind of where I was a little bit later in life, still single, still wondering if there is some sort of a vocation, maybe to marriage or to priesthood or religious life, or are you just going to remain single? Talk to us about your vocational process here. Do you have a spiritual director? Do you talk to family about this, friends? Who do you bring in on the conversation and the decision-making? 833-288-EWTN is the number to call. 833-288-3986. It is your show. Let's make it a great one here on Discerning a Vocation today. And maybe you're thinking, I don't even know like what that means, a vocation. I'm just kind of going through life, doing the next steps. You know, I've got the next chapter. I get a job. I go to, you know, I go to school, get a job, get a family, you know, the whole nine yards. Well, let's talk about it because God may have a bigger plan for you. 833-288-3986. This is Take Two with Jerry and Debbie and you. So we expect you to call in. We're looking forward to this conversation today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie and you talking about discerning a vocation. Maybe you've been married 
50 years, but you look back and you say there was a time when you thought maybe it was uh, you know, going to be a religious sister or a priest or a brother. Um, how did God lead you to the spouse that you have? Tell us that beautiful discernment, prayerful story, if you'd like, 833-288-3986, or whatever vocation you are in, or are, maybe you're... Uh, maybe you're knee deep in a discernment process right now. You know, we'd love to hear how that is going for you. 833-288-3986. And EWTN is your source for great resources, including free ebooks. And now they've got one that's called The 12 Stations of the Most Holy Eucharist. Again, it's a free ebook at EWTN.com slash Catholicism. will help you journey deeper in your understanding of the Eucharistic mystery, especially in this year, the heading up to the Eucharistic Revival. Bible, and you'll also be able to better understand the Eucharistic story of God's love for us from both the Old Testament to the New Testament institution of the Eucharist. So get this free ebook, The Twelve Stations of the Most Holy Eucharist, at EWTN.com slash Catholicism. Okay, so please, um, we've got a couple open phone lines. We'd like to hear from you about discerning a vocation, 833-288-3986. And before we go to Richard, I just wanted to share, Jerry, that I'm, I'm a bit under the weather, um, and so I'm, I'm so is Marty now. He's not feeling well. And so we, we were unable to get on the flight to, um, Iron, uh, to uh, Birmingham, Alabama, for the radio conference. So I'm really bummed. I know you're heading there. It's going to be so exciting with all of the affiliates yeah. around the country. So for everybody that's going, uh, safe travels. And I, I wish I could be with all of you and, and give everybody a great big hug, but I don't want to get anybody sick. So because of being sick, I've been thinking about my mom, my late my Connie, who um, she went on to meet the Lord. But my mom used to always say, because I have a fever, she used to always say, starve a fever, feed a cold. She would always say that. And so it got me thinking about my mom. And then I started thinking, Jerry, do you know that my mom raised you know, my mom and dad raised six kids. And every time my mom would get overwhelmed with all of us, she'd say, that's it. I'm going to the convent. I'm going to the convent. (laughs) She'd always threaten us with the convent. So we, so one time I think one of us said, well, go ahead, mom. You you seem like you'd be a lot happier there. (laughs) Anyway, we had to have a sense of humor. Okay. Let's hear what Richard has to say in the great state of Texas on our friends at Guadalupe radio network. Hi, Richard. Hello. Greetings. Yes, like I, yes, I, I, I was just telling you, like you're a screener, that I've been uh, doing religious education CCD for 40 years. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What, what was it? What was the initial inspiration, Richard, that got you started doing that? Were you asked by somebody, or did you kind of feel a tug on your heart? How did that begin well, for you? They were short of teachers. And uh, I was asked to see if I if I could just fill in, okay. and that's how I got started. Just you know, they asked me if I could fill in, and by the time I knew it, I was doing it mm-hmm. every week. <laughs> well, Richard, I um, coming from another ministry person. Um, I, I spent, you, you got me beat by about ten years. I did thirty years, but I will tell you. Um, God bless you for stepping up. You know, it's we're always short in religious education, always asking for more catechists, always asking for more um, uh, people to step into the classroom. But you did, Richard, and you're helping souls understand God and the faith. And I just believe this, Richard. I really do. I believe that when you finish your time here on earth, 
I believe the good Lord is going to let you see all the souls that you impacted by every week showing up in that classroom and teaching people the faith. I could feel the Holy Spirit as I just said that, Richard. I just, I just wish for you abundant blessings. I have a deep, deep love and respect for all catechists, especially those who have stayed for a very long time, such as yourself. So thank you. Well, I just, I just enjoy doing it, working with the children. Yeah, and you know, speaking of that, Richard, real quickly before we let you go, um, what have you? I know this. You do that. You do this selflessly. I have no doubt about that. Everybody does. But yet, we always say, we always say, you know, we get more out of doing something than than the people we're helping, and and that's sometimes the case. So, what have you? What would be your number one takeaway from this, and how this has been, you know, helped to build you up in your relationship with God and deepen your faith life? How, what would be like a one, one little takeaway for you? Well, I just. Uh, get seems like it just brings me closer to the Lord and be able to talk more to the Lord. There you go. Uh, I, I, as I talk to the Lord, uh, especially before I go to class, and I just ask the Lord, you know, what am I going to do with these children today? What do you want me to tell the children? What do they need to know today? There you go. Well, that's, be, that's the way to open to the it. spirit. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Richard. Thanks for Thank uh, leading you, off Richard. here on this program, this conversation today. Um, you know, I've, I have a little bit of experience in religious education, nothing to the extent that you do, Debbie, but um, Richard has made a great point, and that is, you know, we're really instruments in the hand of God. Absolutely. You know, I, I know you'd, you'd be the first to say you can't bring your own agenda into this. It's got to be, of course, the, the, the authoritative teachings of the Church, but also openness to the Holy Spirit, like you talked about, to really say at any given moment what the Holy Spirit wants us to say. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And and please join us if, if you've discerned a vocation, if you're discerning one right now, if you want to talk about vocations in general, like Richard did about being a catechist and in ministry, that's a vocation. You want to talk about your marriage as a vocation. You want to talk about single life as a vocation, um, religious life. We want to hear from you. The deacons, come on, the deacons. We love you guys. 833 288 Three nine eight six and Jerry, I wanted to share this about because I, I shared earlier that I, I was a um, a volunteer ministry coordinator for years, placing people in ministry when you have to discern because I was a spiritual director, so the the pastor wanted me to work with folks to be, to best use their gifts that were given by God because I will tell you, Jerry. That Richard Richard nailed it when Richard said they were looking for catechists. They were short of catechists. Okay, so Richard stepped in and he did quite well, obviously, because forty years is a long time to teach religious education or CCD or wh- whatever you you call you guys call it in your various churches. We call it religious education here in Arizona. Okay. But Jerry, you know, as well as I do, that sometimes people, good-natured, wonderful Catholics will step into a ministry role and they're not suited for it. They don't want to do it. They get burnt out very quickly. And so it's not really fair to do to them. They're not using their best gifts in that area. And so it does take time, no matter what you do ministry-wise, whether it's small or permanent ministry or something, you know, that you have to enter into that is a real life commitment, you really should be discerning and properly discerning. And that includes prayer. It includes fasting. It includes a real intentional, you know, set aside time to dive deeply into your yourself, right? And then what, what God wants 
of you because Jerry said it beautifully. You know, God is using each and every one of us if we are open to the Spirit, if we are willing to be used. I personally believe that with Catholic radio, it's a perfect example of that. I believe God is using the radio airwaves to reach each and every person. It's a brilliant technology. He's using technology to get to us and to reach us. Blessed Carlo Acutis talked about it. That's why he put together the whole um, Eucharistic uh, Miracles exhibit. So what do you think of that, Jerry? No, I think it's absolutely true. You know, um, we, we, we really want to be in the role that God has for us. And sometimes, you know, I have, I have experience of taking on things, uh, you know, and then realizing, hey, you know, maybe this isn't quite the best suit suited for me, but quite the best fit. But uh, yeah, so I, I agree with that completely. And I'd love to hear from parents right now, because I've, I have always said, um, you know, every one of us were created by God. We have a moral obligation to what I say, ask the question. And that the question is, God, what did you make me for? What is my vocation? And so as moms and dads, you know, you've got that uh, blessed responsibility of kind of, uh, you know, guiding your children to seek the Lord in, in prayer and to be open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. So how are you doing that in your life? Maybe you've got a child that has discerned a religious vocation or a priestly vocation, or you just, uh, you have a, a young child, not so, maybe not so young child, who was just recently discerned marriage was their vocation. So talk about how as a parent you've helped your kids in this area of their lives at 833 288-3986. So let's go to Marie, and Marie is in Atlanta, Georgia, listening on The Quest. Hello, Marie. Hello, how are you? Great, great. That's Thank good. you for calling. Yes. Well, I just wanted to um, kind of give you a brief overview of um, how really the Lord has blessed us in our marriage and how it started. I had... Um, you know, 12 years of Catholic education, so I knew the value of prayer. And when we became engaged, I went to a Carmelite monastery, and I asked them to please pray for a happy marriage, which I'm sure that they did. And, um, you know, it, it, our life was was very good. We, we have three children. We really seem to be very happy. My husband was really on track for a very high position in a corporate setting, and kind of lost a little bit of track, you know, with focusing on a marriage as much as we should have. However, um, we had our ups and downs, but I know that the Lord brought me through it. And I'll tell you that one of the last places that we moved from was the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania. And there I met a girl from California who I only knew for two days. And she said to me, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And I just really had to think about that. And I mean, which is terrible with our background and our devotion to the Catholicism message. Anyway, she invited us to go to a um, prayer group. It was a charismatic prayer group, and it was wonderful. She said, I wasn't sure whether or not you would enjoy that because it was pretty demonstrative, but I loved it, and I think the Holy Spirit really touched us. And at that meeting, there was a priest who had a discernment. He said, there is somebody here who will be moving. But know that there is an organization, a Catholic community, that will be waiting for you. And I thought, wow, that could be us. Well, sure enough, we were transferred again to Atlanta, Georgia. And it was in August, and time rolled around to December, and I still hadn't heard about a community until we were at a Christmas party. And one of the Catholics who was there 
said to us, you know what, have you ever thought about making a, a Curcio? And I said, well, and I'd never heard of it. Anyway, we did. And it was life-changing for us. And that was the community upon which we built our Catholic uh, marriage. And it, it, it has been wonderful. And as I said, we had ups and downs that I think everybody who gets married and stays married for a long time has to realize that there will be difficult times. But that's when we turn to prayer and we depend on God and the Holy Spirit. We, uh, we then really developed a very strong relationship with the Holy Spirit, and we have little meditation books that we give to people when we feel so directed to do so, just telling them how important He is in our lives. We, we even, a couple of years ago, started praying together on the dining room table every morning, remembering people, remembering our world events, and which, incidentally, really now are not so great. But anyway, uh, the Holy Spirit has really given us good discernment, and we are very happy with our lives right now. And getting back to how I, I first knew my vocation for marriage, um, I think, you know, it was at a time when youngsters, when I call us youngsters at that point, we were in our 20s, really thought the best thing to do was to get married and have a family. So uh, I, just, I just had that inclination. I love children. And incidentally, and, and one of the things that I developed along the way was teaching CCD and loved it for years. And we just, my husband joined me finally. I told him the Holy Spirit was calling him. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> he, um, he joined me, and we just retired from that a few years ago. Wow. We are in our middle 80s, and we are still running strong with the Holy Spirit. And uh, we know we give him the gratitude of all the things that we've had in the past and now in the future. We have three brand-new great-grandbabies. Mm-hmm. One, of them, one of them is slightly compromised, but um, with uh, something that, you know, is going to be a lifelong thing, but family openly accepted, and she's doing so well. So once again, depending on God for everything in our lives. And I guess that pretty much says everything. I'm trying to think if there's anything mm-hmm. else I can say. Wow. That is a beautiful story, Marie. And Debbie and I, neither one of us would have guessed that you're mid-80s. You sound so much younger, but you know, you've put together, you know, what you've laid out here, I think, you, I think you said Holy Spirit probably about 10 times. And I think that is so absolutely beautiful because the Holy Spirit is so often the forgotten person in the Blessed Trinity. And we, we fail to remember that in John 16, Jesus says, you know, it's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit, the advocate may come. And, uh, you know, it, it was probably kind of odd for the, uh, you know, early di- disciples of Jesus to hear that, you know, to hear it's mm-hmm. better that you go. What do you mean it's better that you go? Right. So Jesus, he had a plan. He knew the Holy Spirit would be important and necessary in each of our lives to guide us mm-hmm. along the way. Mm-hmm. And, and Marie, you and your husband have tapped into that power of the Holy Spirit so many beautiful times, it sounds like. I totally agree. Marie, uh, you have been on an incredible journey open to the Spirit. Can you give us, uh, you feel comfortable giving us your husband's first name? Because I put your whole family in our prayer book. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, his name is Paul. Paul. (laughs) Great name. Marie and Paul, I love that. Way to go. Thank you for sharing and gracing this conversation. That that was huge. And I just loved every detail of it. And, and I agree with Jerry. Keep that youthful spirit. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it, you see in her story there how, you know, God put people in their lives 
and this priest, I think it was, she said it was a priest who had that, mm-hmm. that, that premonition or that prophecy, you know, yep. that they were going to move and get yep. plugged into a community, and that was Curcio and getting involved in the charismatic renewal. Folks, just be open to the Holy Spirit. It's a wild ride. It's, as Marie said, it has its ups and downs, but, you know, it takes us to where God wants us to be. What about you? How have you discerned your calling in life? Tell, it, tell us about it today at 833-288-3986. Talking about vocations today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie, there's still time for you to get in on this great conversation we're having. So please dial this number. We're a very friendly group. You'll love it. Most people call back again and again and again because they like it so much. So the number to dial again is 833-288-3986. That's the number to call. And Jerry, we will go back right back to the phones because Robert is waiting so patiently in Missouri on Sirius XM 130. Hi, Robert. Welcome to Take Two. Good morning. It's morning here in, uh, in Missouri still. Yes, right. Go right ahead. So, I, uh, uh, 20 years ago, if anyone had said to me that I was going to be a deacon, I would have said they're crazy. <laughs> but uh, in the meantime, uh, really through uh, uh, the Curcio experience, uh, I began to feel the calling. Initially, I thought I would... Uh, just be more active in my church because I was pretty much a pew sitter up to that point, and this was around the year 1999. And uh, uh, I was, uh, after coming through Curcio, the Curcio weekend, I was wanting to be more active in my church, be a, maybe a, a reader uh, during the Mass. Uh, I spent some time uh, singing in my church choir, but uh, Long about uh, the year uh, 2002, uh, I was uh, beginning to feel the calling to the diaconate. That occurred uh, basically through a conversation with a church sacristan uh, and uh, asking me, had I ever considered being a deacon? And uh, I had heard of the diaconate, but had not, uh, didn't know much more than that. Uh, and if I backtrack, maybe a year before my wife went to the diaconate, went through the, I'm sorry, went through the Curcio, and she noticed the deacons and thought that, you know, that's something that, uh, that I could do, my husband, Robert. But uh, uh, she, she said to God, God, you will have to be the one to call him. If I call him, he'll do it because because he's obedient, you know, he'd be obedient to, to my request, but God, it has to be your request. And so this calling from a, uh, or this uh, comment by a sacristan, uh, she heard the conversation, and she, her, in her mind, she said, God, it has to be clergy, not a sacristan. And so maybe two minutes later, uh, a, a priest asked the same, very same question. <laughs> and at yeah. that point, I thought, okay, what's going on here? Right. This was this was certainly not something that I was expecting. I, and I was in the middle of cleaning up after a holy hour at our parish, which I did 
on a regular basis. So I go out to my car after we're all cleaned up, still wondering, you know, what was going on here. And my wife is at the steering wheel and driving us home, and I'm asking, I relaying to her what had gone on. And when I really looked close at her, she was crying. Mm. And I asked why. And then she revealed to me that for a year she had been praying for this possibility if it was God's will. And so at that point I knew I needed to discern all of this. And so for the next, uh, unfortunately, at that point, the, the, the diaconate uh, formation in our diocese had just uh, uh, identified the candidates for the next five-year program. Well, that was somewhat good in that uh, it gave me five years to discern. And from that point, no matter where I went, uh, someone was asking me, if I was in the current class, or if I was a deacon, or if I was discerning, and I would I would count probably fifteen different instances wow. where I was asked, which gave me um, assurance that I was doing the right thing, and I just needed to continue to discern. And when five years went past and the current class was ordained, I, uh, I attended the, uh, the next class's invitation to, to find out more about the diaconate and, and fill out forms if I was interested, and, and I obviously did, and was selected for what we call our class uh, nine. Uh, in uh, uh, 2007, actually 2008, and was ordained uh, to the diaconate uh, in 2012, May of 2012. So I've been a deacon for 11 and a half years, approximately. Mm -hmm. Wow, what a great story. What a great story, Robert. And I'm just seeing sacramental grace going all, weaving all the way through this story. Um, you know, how you, your, your wife, you know, really kind of sensed that on her heart, you know, and that was the grace of the sacrament right there. But then for her to say, you know, for, for or actually for, for, yeah, for her to say she wanted to be God, and then a priest says it, and then other people start saying it, these are the kinds of things we have to be open to. I've, I've had so many of these experiences in my own life, um, you know, with, with people saying things that don't even really have any clue about things I'm discerning, and, and it's just the voice of God. God wants to speak to us, and he will use... Uh, many, many very different ways to do that. And so, Debbie, this is a, it's just a beautiful story as it's unfolded for Robert and his wife. I love every aspect of this story, Deacon Robert. Thank you so much. You know, I had, we, I, we had put the shout out for the deacons to call in and you responded with your incredible journey into the into the diaconate. And and as, you know, maybe people know this or they don't know this, I'm not sure, but the formation for for uh, the diaconate requires the wife uh, to go along with you to many of the classes and in the formation because it's, it's something that, you know, you have to have that 
that uh, that partnership, you know, that that same focus. So um, I put you, Deacon Robert, in our prayer book. Um, do you feel comfortable giving us your wife's first name? I think she's a beautiful uh, prayer warrior. I love the way she went into deep prayer for uh, the vocation for you. I think that is that is absolutely incredible and precious. And and obviously, you being a deacon since 2012, it has it has really served well. Um, do you feel comfortable giving us her first name? Certainly. Her first name is Minda, like Linda, but only with an M. So M-I-N-D-A. Got it. I love it. She's a strong prayer warrior. Yes, absolutely. Well, if she's listening, Minda, amazing journey that you guys have been on, and and God bless you. I I said this. I was emceeing a rosary event for uh, Phoenix um, with for the Knights of Columbus, and I and I asked if there were any deacons in the room, and I said, please, the next time you see uh, the deacons, thank them because they never get thanked enough. So, Deacon Robert, thank you for for um, you know the right people asking you the questions, your wife praying, and you um, going into uh, the diaconate. I think uh, what you do to serve all of us is incredible. Well, thank you very much, and and I, I appreciate the prayers. Can always use them. Uh, I was I was blessed to enter into the diaconate the formation as a, a prison ministry uh, servant. Would say I was a volunteer. At, uh, in prison ministry at her local state prison. So wow. that has taught me a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Another well, yeah. reason why we got to support Catholic Radio, Deacon, because um, a, a Catholic Radio reaches behind prison walls, and that yeah. and that keeps those folks connected to the bigger church. I always say that it reaches past prison walls, and that's important. Jerry, it does, yeah. Deacon Robert, thank you so much. Thank Minda for us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in the parish where I am, the beautiful Basilica of Saint Paul in Daytona Beach, um, we have two deacons here, two permanent deacons. One was has been orda- ordained a year, and mm-hmm. he and his wife uh, just finished the program, like I say, a year ago. And on Saturday, at the vigil mass for Sunday, they had about eight or nine of their other classmates and their wives all at mass. The deacons were all, um, you know, vested, and, and they all helped to serve the mass. And afterwards, we went out for a, a nice dinner. And you're right, Debbie, when the deacons, we just need to be, uh, you know, for any, any man who's out there thinking, you know, maybe there's... Uh, you, you may be married, you know, it's, priesthood isn't a possibility, but the permanent diaconate might be, you know, so mm-hmm. give that some thought because, uh, you know, the church could use, always use good men and, and women, you know, because like mm-hmm. you said, the couples have to go through it together. So. Absolutely. Okay, Lindsay's up next, a first-time caller from Dallas, Texas, listening on Sirius XM 130. Hi, Lindsay. Hi there. Good morning. Um I just have to tell you first that I'm coming off of an axe retreat this weekend. Oh, wow. And I started listening to EWTN and the radio yesterday. Nice. Um, so, con- yes. And so congratulations. I, I, I heard you. Thank mm-hmm. you. I heard you talk about um, the vocations, and I said, well, I've got to give I've got to give her a call. So I've uh, been married for 14 years to my husband, Christopher. We have five beautiful children. Um, and I always tell people all the time, I say, you know, when I'm giving advice to married couples, we actually got asked to speak at our church to our high school youth group uh, last year when they were talking about vocation. So they had a nun there, and they had a deacon there, and they had a priest there, and then they asked us to speak to the vocation of marriage, and I was, you know, deeply flattered but very nervous, and I was telling all the kids that I said, the goal of marriage is to be old and gray together. 
You might be young. You might be fit now. They might not have any gray hairs or any wrinkles or anything like that. But that's the goal, is to be with this person until death. And if you're lucky enough, you're lucky enough to live till you are old together and to grow with that person. Because everybody is so worried about what's going on in the world right now. And, oh, I need my Botox. And, oh, I need to get, you know, this plastic surgery. And I need to stay looking young. And I need to, you know, do all of these things and work out at the gym constantly and all this other stuff that is so surface level. And people say, oh, well, you know, you, you're, you know, you're older now and I, I need to find somebody younger and I need to do all this other. It's terrible. But the people don't get told that when they're young is that the end goal and the way that you know that you've kind of won the game is that you're old together and that you're happy and that you love each other and that you're there till the very, very end, until death do us part all the way. Mm-hmm. Wow, Lindsay. Amazing. And I love, I love, you can hear that you're fired up from the axe retreat. So I love that. So keep that fire in your belly. I love that. Um, But Lindsay, I just wanted to say to you, I completely agree. And as you were talking, I was thinking about the very, very, very popular movie, The Notebook. Okay, you remember the notebook, everybody talks about it. If you're married, or you're in a relationship, they say, Oh, you got to see the notebook. That's the kind of relationship I want how dedicated he was to her. And they and and then, you know, I don't want to be I don't want to spoil the movie if you haven't seen it. But ultimately, you know, you see these two elderly people together, um, all the way to the end. And it is, it is so beautiful. And you and it's very hard I've I've been in movie theaters when The Notebook was premiering way back when, and every guy, even the biggest, you know, football-looking, uh, playing guys, you know, were crying, just sobbing at The Notebook. And so there's a reason for that. And what's the reason? Because that really is beautiful love between two people who are committed forever. Um, and I think it's it's wonderful. And God intended for that, to have that kind of journey together um, for us, especially when you're raising a big family like you are, Lindsay, with five kids. You want that partnership, that person you can trust and lean on um, for for all the days of your life. Any any comments? But I'm sure you've seen the movie, right, Lindsay? Uh, yes, I vaguely. But what's even better is that I went to my husband, his, his uncle and aunt were married for uh, 60 years. They had 12 children. They had, at the, at the funeral, they had 50 grandchildren, but they have more now. And on the funeral, I said, wow, I, I didn't know what to say to this old man. I didn't know what to say to him. And he said, I said, wow, I said, 60 years, that's a long time to be married. And you know what he said to me? He said, I should have asked her to marry me the day I met her. Oh, wow. That way we could have had that much more time together. And I felt that that was the most beautiful expression of true love in any, any, romantic comedy I'd ever seen, any book I'd ever read, that that beautiful, this old man who had, and she had had gangrene, and she had had dementia for three years, and forgot who he was, and it didn't matter, and he was so sad that she was gone. Right. It was so beautiful, and I said, that's what I want. Right. We'd been married for two years at that point, and... Well, 
It was well, so beautiful. Well, Lindsay, Lindsay, I, I and please forgive me. I cannot remember his name right now because I'm a little bit under the weather. But Jerry knows who I'm talking about. We have a, a beautiful um, listener to take to. And if you're listening, sir, please call in. I believe you live in Florida. And I and his his wife passed away and they were married a very long time. Do you know that he goes to the cemetery every day and has lunch at the cemetery every day, Lindsay? I know. I know. And I, I actually, I have, you know, and I, my husband and I have a really good, I think we have a really good sense of humor. So I said to my husband after that show, I said, any chance you could have lunch with me every day? If I, if I were to leave, you know, would you visit me at the cemetery? Cause the cemetery is only about 20 minutes from our home. And he said, I've got to work. And I thought, oh, okay, that's not going to fly. <laughs> But you know, Lindsay, it takes a really special person to have that kind of dedication. But when you find it, I say people need to really cherish it. What do you say? I say I say you got to cherish it and you always have to think the best of your spouse and never assume the always assume the best. Never ever assume the worst about anything that happens. Anything they say, anything that they leave out or do or something that annoys just always assume the best and ask yeah. them about it later gently. But always give, the best. And give them the benefit. I think we don't give each other the benefit enough. Sometimes in, in relationships, the closest people to us, because we we expect, excuse me, we expect so much from them. Do you, any comments on that real quickly, Lindsay? Yes, yes. And that you, you've got to give that grace. You, you hope that somebody else will give you the grace when you mm-hmm. mess up. And um, I'll never forget, we've been married for like six months, and I found a pair of his shoes in the living room again. I said, oh, he's shoes in the living room all the time. And I looked around, and there were three pairs of my shoes in the living room. Oh. Oh. And so I just buttoned my lip, and I picked up all the shoes, and I put them all away. I was like, nope, I'm not going to say anything. You are so sweet. Nothing. You are so sweet. Okay, you got five kids. Can you get, can you get your children tonight maybe say a, just a quick prayer that Jerry stays safe uh, traveling to the radio conference, the whole Take Two family, and that I could get better quickly because I can feel uh, the fever coming on again. So, Lindsay. Oh, but, no. Okay, so kids go, their prayers go straight to heaven. So ask your five kids if they could help out. <laughs> I will. I will. Thank you. Thanks, God bless Lindsay. you. God bless. Wow. Yeah, I love to hear stories like that. I've shared the one on the air before. I went to, uh, um, uh, I was up uh, from, from one of my nephew's weddings up in Washington State a few years ago. And yeah. uh, the, the, the priest told a story about how he had done a funeral for a gentleman's wife. And you remember me telling this, you know, and he had, he had asked me in preparation for the funeral, asked the man, how long were you and your wife married? He said, not long enough. And it had been 60, 65 years. So not long enough. Yeah. It's wow. Just, uh, and, you know, those you don't get to that point. It, it's not just it's not always like it's that. It's not always roses. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. You, you got to fight go through, through ups and downs. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. Absolutely. But it's it's like the spiritual life, any vocation, any relationship, especially even our relationship with God. You know, Debbie, we have to fight through the, the down times, the dark times, the difficult times, the challenges, and then, you know, really rejoice and give thanks to God when we have those mountaintop experiences because mm-hmm. we know it's going to be a combination of all of those things as we go along mm-hmm. in life. 
I'm going to continue in just a moment. First, I want to mention another program on EWTN that Debbie and I and the show team, we love Fire on the Earth. Uh, Peter Herbeck is uh, really a dynamic evangelist, and he really takes a, a beautiful look at the new evangelization and talks about you know things like the faith and prayer and sacrifice, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's what Peter is examining this week on Fire on the Earth. It's Monday through Friday morning, 5.15 a.m. Eastern Time, here on most of these same EWTN radio stations. It's Peter Herbeck and Fire on the Earth. Mm-hmm. Um. So a couple things looking ahead. Tomorrow's show, you know, talk it is it a coincidence? Talk about a coincidence or is it a, is is it a god is it a god wink saying, "Okay, you know, you you Lindsay started it about relationships. So tomorrow is our monthly show all about relationships." And so I think I think it's great that Lindsay shared about, you know, what it means to have that beautiful deep marriage for a lifetime and I and I and so tomorrow's show if you have a relationship you want to highlight tomorrow that's the uh, time to call in for take 2. Um also too some of our listeners um and I and maybe on social media they thought that there was a possible prayer show coming up. So we got an urgent prayer request in from Mary Beth from Long Island um for Danny. We need a miracle for Danny. Um so just folks, uh, God knows the details of this, but uh, we need a miracle. He's 29 years old and uh, he's in, he's back in the hospital with an infection. And wow. so uh, we need a miracle. So if it, and they're asking for blessed Carlo Acutis to step in and help. So that's mm-hmm. um, Mary Beth. We have uh, Danny logged in on the prayer book. So all about relationships is tomorrow. And then I just wanted to share, Jerry, we are getting, you had a beautiful article um, that you gave the interview, or you were interviewed for the, why don't you share? National Catholic uh, National okay. Catholic Register, yeah. Um, just want to thank Joseph, the, uh, the uh, writer of the article, um, did a really fine job. It was, I guess, in yesterday's ver- uh, edition of the National Catholic Register. So if you go to ncregister.com, um, they've already kind of cycled the story through, but you can just do put in the search my name and you'll see uh, this, this article about what the Lord has me doing right now, speaking of vocational journeys and highs and lows and twists and turns. Um, yeah, I am uh, at the Basilica of St. Paul in Daytona Beach, Florida, as a, officially a seminarian for the Diocese of Orlando, Florida and doing a pastoral year. It's kind of an internship, and good Lord willing, I will be back studying theology again next year with, I don't know, two or three more years after this year. It's it's all kind of in the Lord's hands and the bishop's hands right now, how that the journey mm-hmm. goes. But, um, you know, it just goes back to, a, a, kind of ties into what I just shared, my story, Debbie, and, and that is one of our previous callers just laid out so many puzzle pieces. You know, I think it was Marie um, the, who just had all of the, just the different steps and the phases in life and how God has led her and, and her husband. And, you know, we, we can look back. Oftentimes we can, fi- fi- I think we can figure out where we're going by looking back at where we've been and seeing the hand of God in our lives and directing us vocationally. What do you think? Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I'm, I'm, I've always said this, that, that God is like the ultimate puzzle uh, maker, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we find those puzzle pieces. We can look back, we can reflect, not to dwell on the past and, and have, you know, this, this really deep, um, you know, regret and shame and all that kind of stuff that is the negative stuff that doesn't allow us to go forward, but to look back and to learn and grow and put the pieces together because God has 
a plan for each and every one of us. And we just have to be open and have our eyes wide open and our hearts open and our souls, you know, ready to take on the mission. And I think it's quite beautiful when you see it unfold in people's lives. I've seen it for 30 years, folks, at the parish level. I've seen it. And I've seen people that have closed closed this Holy Spirit off and said, you know what, I, I'm, I'm just not interested anymore. And it's very interesting where how their life takes a different, a different turn and a different path. And it's not always good. And so I would just say, you know, please pray about it and, and really open yourself up. And Jesus, we trust in you. He's got a bigger plan, a better plan for each and every one of us. So yeah, I totally agree. I loved that article in uh, National Catholic Register. Well, I love all of ev- all the articles of everything that EWTN mm-hmm. um, ever sponsors and is a part of. Um, but that particular article about you back into, the, into priestly formation um, was, of course, near and dear to my heart. And I just want to say, Jerry, you've got a lot of prayers. I mean, they keep coming in every single week. And if you want to reach Jerry personally, um, he has an email set up just to go to him. Okay. So that, so that Ace and I don't have to field, be his assistants and, you know, and, and field all his emails. It's seminaryjerry at gmail.com. Yeah. And I think, you know, just a word uh, vocational, we've been talking about vocations on this program today. You know, and God can and will use you, you know, as if you're baptized, even if you're not baptized, we encourage you to get baptized, but God has a mission. God has a purpose for each and every one of us. And I think you put it well, Debbie, you know, we need to just shed the shame and the, the guilt and just the, the baggage that we have in life thinking, you know, I'm really not worthy to be used by God. You know what? No, no one is worthy to be used by God, but he makes us worthy, you know, by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And by the great mercy and forgiveness that he shows us. So God doesn't look at our sins. He doesn't look at our past. We shouldn't do that either. We should be open to the possibility that God can and will use us in some powerful and profound way. So I just hope for anyone who's listening right now, maybe their takeaway from this whole episode of the program today is just to be open, an openness to the Holy Spirit. Maybe God wants to do something new and fresh in your life or just revitalize something you're already involved in as a ministry or a vocation. So just have have that openness and let the Holy Spirit move you wherever God wants you to be. I loved what you just said. Thank you so much for sharing that with all of us. And I hope it really does touch many hearts today. Okay, so a couple things. If you want to find us um, with our Life Coaching Outreach Ministry, it's at StandTallToday.com. You can get a free consultation. We're adding new coaches starting next week. Very exciting. Also, uh, Ace McKay is so great at keeping up our Jerry and Debbie Facebook page. Please like us there. We're trying to grow that family because in 2024, we have a new challenge for the entire year. I'm just saying, can't share it yet. We'll share it in December. You'll have you'll have a month to, to uh, join us, right, Jer? That's right. Again, thanks as always to the affiliates for carrying the show, Jeff, Matt, and Ace. Be seeing you guys sometime tomorrow at the Catholic Radio Conference. Again, pray for our safe travel. Pray for Debbie to be over this little... Uh, bump that she's going through health-wise. She's doing okay, but she could use your prayers. Until we talk again tomorrow, have a beautiful and blessed day. St. Joseph prayed for us.